Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to What Happens in the Woods. Y'all should know the drill by now. My name is Jessica, and along with my husband, Bryce, we're the hosts of this true crime podcast. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Are you there? Yes. Okay. I good. Here. After about an hour of technical difficulties, uh, we're we're sorry if you hear any popping where we couldn't figure it out. It just, yeah, it's frustrating. So. Yeah. Apple. <laughs> I don't know what is going on, but I'm. Uh, we're not happy about uh, it. The pains of a podcast. Yeah. Uh, we're learning. We are, yeah. And, I mean, I know you want your roadcaster. Roadcaster. Just hit record. Sorry. Yeah. It, it's a little expensive. Okay. Well. You're used to disappointment by now, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Well, we hope everybody is doing good, not going too crazy, and you hope you're staying home and staying safe. Yeah, we just hope everybody's safe, and yeah, again, be kind. Um, yeah. So, I just kind of wanted to first say a little thank you to a podcast that we recently did, like a little collab with. Um, We kind of mentioned that on our last episode at the end. Um, they kindly let us plug our little podcast on one of their recent episodes and, you know, we hope you guys will continue to check them out. Um, so thank you to Bran at Moonshine Murder and Mayhem Podcast. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, I've, I've joined like a little Facebook podcast group Yeah, and it's, it's kind of cool to see a lot of people that are getting into this kind of like we are and they're starting out and they're you know making connections and mm-hmm. i don't know kind of little community going on i thought it was cool but um yeah so thanks to bran and then another quick woohoo moment Uh-oh. we recently hit over 250 downloads on the podcast woo-hoo. so woohoo we um i mean i just want us to continue to grow but you know thanks for the support for listening mm-hmm. okay. and spreading the word Yes. I mean, there are countries that I don't know how they're getting us. Like, I don't know how they're finding us, but there are countries all over the world that we're seeing on our stats of people that are finding us and listening to the podcast. So it's pretty amazing. We're worldwide. (laughs) 
we are worldwide, except we haven't hit South America. It's all right. I mean, that's fine, yeah, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's because maybe, of language. I don't know. Maybe we could do in uh, Portuguese. I would If anyone love. wants to translate uh, this podcast into Portuguese, uh, feel free to hit the Jess up. Yeah, comment on something and what let happens. us know if you can do that. And I, what happens in the woods.com. That would be amazing, actually, but I, I doubt it'll happen, but you never know. Life is full of surprises. Mm-hmm. All right, so this episode, we're going back a few years okay. on this case. So are you up for a little old-timey gore? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So this episode, we're going to discuss convicted killer Richard Lawrence Marquette. Okay. Why do I always have three names? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, all right. Well, Dick Marquette mm-hmm. was a man who was convicted to life in prison two separate times for the same type of crime. Two separate times? Yeah. So, Once wasn't enough? Apparently not. No, it was not. They had him, and shit happened, and he did it again. Hmm. So he had three different victims at two different you know, time periods, hmm. but the same crime, the same conviction. That sounds just a little screwy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so not much is known about Richard's early years. I was trying. I was searching. I was looking everywhere I could about his childhood, about his life, you know, growing up Mm -hmm. before the murders. There's just not much out there. So, you know, media being what it is now, of course, we're in everybody's business. Yeah. Back in the, you know, 60s-ish, we weren't. You you just didn't need to know about that. You didn't go look in the library at the microfiche? If the libraries were open right now to look at microfiche, I for sure would have been there. And I just I would wanted have loved to say microfiche. <laughs> microfiche. Microfiche. Uh, yeah, that would have been, I would have loved that actually. Yeah. If there's any a, a time that I can go and do that for this podcast, I sign me up. Mm-hmm. I will do it. Sounds a little boring, but okay. Well, that's why I do it. Oh. All right. Um, So what I did find out was that he was born in Portland, Oregon on December 12th, 1934. Mm -hmm. He was a high school dropout. And information that I found states that he was also an Army veteran. I I didn't know that you could be a high school dropout and go into the military. Uh, Just like, you know, social media now... It probably wasn't as prevalent back then, or even like records, you know, you know, yeah, yeah, you could probably get away with saying whatever you wanted. There is really no way to check. That's true. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Um. So when he was uh, the, 21. The other thing, too, is they're, they're probably a little more relaxed, a little more laxed on the standards back then. Well, I mean, he it might have been because he was drafted. They might not have. Oh, yeah, definitely. Know. They didn't care. They just needed bodies. This would have been right around the time of, it was after World War II, but it would have been maybe around the time of the Korean War or the Cuban Missile Crisis. Sure. And those were in the 50s, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there isn't much information on like an early criminal career either. 
um, when he was 21, there was an arrest made in 1956 for attempted rape, but the victim never pressed charges, so of course nothing happened. Where was this at? Uh, Oregon. Oh. And then in 1957, he used a bag full of wrenches to beat the shit out of a gas station worker in Portland in an attempt to rob it. So he didn't kill anybody. He, I don't think he made off with anything. They did find him. Mm-hmm. He was arrested. He pled guilty. And he served 12 months out of an 18-month sentence for the crime. So apparently he was a model prisoner, and he was released early for good behavior. How long was that sentence? Uh, 18 months. Oh, wow. And he served a year of it for beating the crap out of a guy with a bag full of wrenches. A bag full of spanners. Yeah. Sure. I, I mean, they're heavy. You could do some damage with just one. I can't imagine a bag. You know? But the guy, he he lived. He didn't die, so... Yeah. I had a friend that used to say that. What? He was English, and he'd say, you have a face like a busted bag of spanners. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? Anyway, just when you that said that he beat him with sense. a bag full of wrenches, it's the same thing. He just, I was like, okay. I guess it must be an English thing. Forgive me. I'm not trying to make fun. I just, to my American brain, it didn't make sense. So. Why wouldn't you just say, guy's ugly? It just seems like a mouthful to say somebody doesn't look very pleasant. <laughs> I don't you're an that, ugly SOB. Yeah, well. I guess. The English, they have their They have local quirky slang. little things. Yeah. yeah. Like Bob's your uncle. I don't, right. I don't have an uncle. I, yeah, I've never had a Bob anyway, that was an uncle. Shout yeah. out to Chris. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> oh, the funny things that we learn. Yeah. So... Okay, so he gets out, you know, early on good behavior. Mm -hmm. He makes his way back to Portland, and from there, we move forward about three years to where his crimes really get sick. All right. All right, so like I said, there was three victims that he confessed to killing, but with the severity of his crimes and how far out they are spaced, I just really wondered what else he may have done. Yeah, because nobody just goes straight to that. Right. Horrible crime. There's always an escalation. You always see, you know, like when we talked about um, the Green River Killer, it wasn't, he didn't go straight there. It was, it was, you know, progressive and more and more and more. Like there's that line and he, you know, killers always cross that line. So, yeah. Especially in that day and age, they may not have connected the dots and the police work may not have been up to snuff, but, or up to par. So he could have, there could have been things he wasn't connected with, yeah. Well, Especially exactly. in three years. Right. And I, the one of them, one of these, and I'll get to that at the end, he, I mean, he confesses to it, but nobody even, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. But yeah, that exactly what you said. I don't know how you go from like attempted rape and robbery mm-hmm. um, to like brutally killing women. Yeah. I just, I was like, there's got to be a step in between. There's just, there's something that's missed. Mm-hmm. We'll never know. Um, all right. So the first victim was 23-year-old Joan Cottle. And she was married. She had two children. Mm-hmm. In June of 1961, she's reported missing by her husband when she doesn't come home. She had gone out shopping. He, 
this poor guy is just, he's a, I can't. Um, so she supposedly went out shopping for Father's Day mm-hmm. for a present. Um, he's looked at pretty thoroughly as the main suspect of her disappearance, but there's, there's no evidence. The husband or? The husband. Okay. Um, he states, again, she went out Father's Day shopping for him and she just never showed up at home. He is really no help. He doesn't know much about her daily habits and he, he can't even really, um, give any personal identifying distinctions of her. So, yeah. So, a few days later, I mean, they suspect it's him. They don't have any evidence at all, period. So, they can't charge him with anything. He's just kind of this poor schmuck. A few days later, they get a phone call, please do, Mm -hmm. from a local woman who tells them her dog brought her home a severed human foot wrapped in a paper bag. Awesome. Can you imagine making that phone call? Or can you imagine getting that? paper bag right like hey skosko what do you got there <laughs> right what What the hell is this <laughs> right we no i have a little yorkie his name is roscoe and he, something he would do i mean he he w- would love to bring us home anything that we thought would be interesting i yeah. just imagine him you know padding up to you and be like here dad oh. yeah um I, it's it's I laugh, but I mean, honestly, it's it's horrifying. Yeah. Um. All right. So she calls the police. They they show up. They find that the um the foot is completely drained of all fluids. There is no blood. Mm-hmm. While they're there, the dog brings in sev- a severed hand. The while the police are there. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, same thing. It's completely drained of blood. Mm -hmm. There's no blood. Um, A search of the area brings them to a box with some more body parts propped up alongside somebody's garage nearby. Okay. (laughs) Right. So, I'm going to pause. It's funny because these detectives suck so bad a dog had to do their job. Well, it was just, I mean... They're there questioning her, and then the dog is just like, well, here you go. I brought you the one. Yeah. It's it's a big hit. Let me go find another. Mm. Um, I don't know that it sucks that they weren't doing their job, but it just kind of was like, I don't know. It's serendipitous, I guess. Mm, you know. Yes. Um, so here's why I want to pause for a sec. I don't know how you drain a body part of its blood. Like, the amount of time that it would take to drain different body parts, wouldn't you think that would be a process? I'm not well versed in this. I no, I know. I'm not going to speak I on just, that. It, I don't understand <laughs> it. I'm, I, I want desperately to know how the hell that happens. I just, I want to know so badly. And I think that makes me a little sick, right? No, I mean. I'm a little off. I mean, you do it in hunting, like you drain the blood, but I mean, I've never done it to a human. I can't speak on that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm having a hard time with it because I want to understand, Mm. I guess. Um, so yeah, I, please forgive me if, if that sounds disgusting. I, these are the things that I think. So I, I want to know more. We'll reserve judgment on you. (laughs) 
Well, you're my husband. You have to love me no matter what, so. I'm speaking for the audience. Oh, okay. Now you're you're the designated appointee? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get back to Marquette. Okay. So police now have a foot and a hand that needs to be identified and some other random body parts. They had a hand in the case. <laughs> Fingerprints um, would have been fairly useless at this point because, mm-hmm. given the time, um, and you know, a twenty-three-year-old woman probably with no conviction history isn't going to have fingerprints on file for anything. Yeah. Um, but the foot has some pretty distinct features that are useful. So first, the to- toes um, are painted bright red, and second. The person that this belonged to had webbed feet. Okay. Right. Very distinctive. But her husband didn't know that. So I'm getting to that. Sorry. So it's somewhat rare, and you would think people would remember that detail, mm-hmm. like the husband. Um, they go back through their recent cases, and there are two missing persons reports for females that they look through. They rule one out as a runaway teenager who was living with her aunt. She didn't have webbed toes, and the aunt claims that she never would have painted her toenails. So that leaves Joan. So shoes at the house um, were found as a fit for Joan. Mm -hmm. And um, they pretty much confirm it. Now, So they just got shoes at at the house and... Tried them on the foot. That's... Just fucking weird. Okay. They measured the foot, and it was the right size, and the shoes fit. Just imagine this detective trying shoes on with a severed foot. Well, like, it, yeah, it fits. But you do what you got to do. How does it feel? Right? Walk around with it. <laughs> Stop <Sorry>. it! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back to my shoe salesman days. You know. Thanks, famous footwear. Hey, famous footwear was good for something. Yes. We met there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I met you. You ignored me. Different podcast. <laughs> Moving on. Jesus. I, you're sassy today. I am. All right. Um, all right. Sassy so, <laughs> remember I said the husband was pretty useless. So, yeah. when, he, when he was asked if the foot could be his wife's, he tells them he doesn't know. He says he never spent too much time investigating her feet. Sure. The police find the shoes a match and... They pretty much confirm that that this is her. Mm -hmm. So from there, this starts a search for the person responsible and look for the other body parts. So they start doing a search of some local bars. I should have just asked the dog. (laughs) I mean, the dog probably has done his job. Okay. He he did good. He he found something. Only found half of it. Damn it. Okay, but the go guy, back and get the rest. Uh, he there was no rest to get. Okay. They found everything that was out there. Oh, um, good job. He did his job. He did a good job. Okay. So they're at some bars. They're questioning people. They come across a regular quote unquote barfly, mm-hmm. <laughs> who says that she recognizes a picture of Joan that they're you know showing around and asking if anybody recognizes her. Um, barfly being a. Uh, not so nice term for, you know, a drunk lady who goes and bar hops. No. <laughs> I believe there. Yeah. And yeah. Uh so she she says I that, believe they're called cougars now. 
That's what cougars. I want oh, cougars. Anyway. Okay. Um, so she claims she had hit it off with a guy by the name of Marquette mm-hmm. and that the evening was going well. Um, she, she thought they were going to, you know, end up hooking up Cougar. and when Joan walked in with another man, mm-hmm. um, Joan recognizes Marquette, um, because the two had gone to elementary school together. Oh. I don't know that I could recognize anybody that I went to elementary school with. Mm. Yeah, well, you jumped around. Yeah, that's true. I didn't I didn't live in Yeah. Like a lot of my I know because like I went yeah, I went to I basically grew up with all the people that you know, were in my elementary school. I mean, some moved away because, you know, we lived on the Air Force base, but I could recognize most of them if I really, you know, thought about it I guess. yeah i wouldn't yeah. be able to recognize anybody because most of my ele- elementary school was in one town and then i moved in fourth grade yeah. i could recognize people from like fourth and fifth grade in junior high because i went to school with most of them mm-hmm. but then i wouldn't recognize anybody from elementary school prior to that yeah. so yeah that's what happens when you move a lot yeah. i don't know what that's like <laughs> sorry it's not like i moved any place <laughs> Fancy. Yeah. Yeah. Merced. (laughs) Merced is not fancy. What? Although at the time the Air Force base was there before they closed it. And there was uh, always a lot of stuff going on, I felt like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But again, it had nothing to do with me. But anyways. Um, All right. So, all right. So this barfly chick trying to hook up with Marquette, mm-hmm. Joan walks in, they ended up striking up a conversation and basically getting shit-faced together. Um, and the man, whoever she walked in with, the man, and then this witness that they find are just kind of brushed to the side. So they end up leaving that bar to go to another bar, to go to another bar, mm-hmm. to go to another bar. At some point, uh, it's decided they're going to go back to Marquette's house. Yeah. And they, there's kind of a conflict of, you know, did she okay sex or did she not? Yeah. They don't have anybody else's account of anything except for Marquette's. At this point, too, I kind of feel sorry for the, the husband, for Joan's husband, because he, he's clueless, obviously. Yeah. He couldn't have given a shit. But on the other hand, he finds out, you know, not only is she found butchered and yeah. dead, but he learns that she wasn't Father's Day shopping. She was out with another guy. Maybe finding a different father? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, again, he's just, he's kind of like this poor schmuck. Uh, yeah. I doubt it, but yeah. Yeah. So with the new info that they have, they're able to hunt down Marquette's little shack house. Mm-hmm. And he's gone, but they find a piece of bloody lingerie. And then in the fridge, there are more body parts that are wrapped up in newspaper that are confirmed as Joan's other remains. Mm -hmm. The only thing they end up not finding is her head. Okay. Right. So authorities go on a search for Marquette. And because Mm -hmm. of the nature of the crime and probably their lack of like resources... They asked the FBI for help. So the FBI promptly adds Marquette to the 10 most wanted list yeah. as an 11th person 
This is the first time in history that that was done. Um, it was kind of like a temporary measure yeah, so that they could FBI's, get interstate help. FBI's top 11 doesn't sound as good as no. the top 10. No, it surely does not. Um, and it works, though. They find him three days later in California working at a salvage yard. So apparently he had just kind of hitchhiked his way down south. Mm-hmm. Um, he cooperates and he goes with the FBI quietly. They bring him back to Oregon and he is just kind of resigned to his fate. So after leading them to the location of the head, which they find dangling, <laughs> it sounds horrible, um, it's in a river hanging off of some, some like wood on the side of the river. And nobody found it? Nobody fucking nobody found even, it. like accidentally stumbled no. across it. Mm-mm. No, it's there. Um, huh. So he leads them to that. He gives them an account of the crime. So it starts out the same way as the witness's story. He was in the bar. Joan came in. She recognizes him. They start a conversation. After going to several bars, they end up at his house. He claims that Joan agreed to have sex with him. Mm -hmm. And that afterwards, they got into some sort of argument about what I have no idea. He He doesn't even go into that. Yeah. And then he chokes her to death. From there, he says he had to think quickly. So he dragged her into the bathroom, mm-hmm. puts her in the shower, and hacked her body into pieces and drained all the blood from all of them. Mm-hmm. And then he scattered her remains and booked it out of town. Okay. Right. So, I mean, the police have to take that at his word. Yeah. They don't, they don't know exactly what happened other than they have the, par- the parts of her body and mm-hmm. they have him and he's admitted to it. Um, they don't, however, believe the sex was consensual, and they want him charged with rape as well as first-degree murder, which, honestly, I'm going to say is kind of amazing, because given the time period, mm. most men and most you know police or investigators would have assumed that because she was in a bar with another man who mm. wasn't her husband, that going home with a different man, even from that, she was she was out there for sex. And they they would have not assumed that it was anything other than, you know, she was looking for a good time. Yeah. So I have to give them some, you know, recognition for that. Okay. And, you know, just kind of surprised me a little bit. So everyone that interviews him claims that he was, like, level-headed. He was just calm. He had a, a very quiet demeanor. He wasn't agitated. You know, it just... He was just very matter-of-fact, very Mm -hmm. resigned. Um, But when a psychiatrist interviews him, he is described as seriously emotionally disturbed. So I don't know what that interview consisted of, Mm -hmm. but it just seems very different from the accounts of the investigators. who, And even his prior arrest, you know, he was released six months early from his previous robbery arrest for good behavior so you know kind of an odd account um he cooperates fully he pretty much accepts everything that they throw at him Mm -hmm. he states he could give no explanation as to why he killed her and he quote unquote says i wish i had never met her but what's done is done yeah so from there um he's found guilty he's convicted to life in prison 
now, I mean, from here it sounds done, right? Yeah. Done deal. You're convicted, life in prison, you go away. But remember, Marquette's confessed to three murders, and Joan was just the first. Okay. So how does that happen when he's sentenced to life in prison, you may ask? Well, that is because in 1973, just after serving 11 years in prison, Marquette is again released on good behavior. On parole. Well, yeah, because... I can see if he looks like a model prisoner and he, he looks rehab, rehabilitated, I could see that. And like what you just said. I guess. Like he, I mean, he can fool police officers and everybody else, but not the psychologist or psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah it, it blows me away, though. I would think that the severity of the crime would speak for itself. Regardless of his behavior. Mm, yeah. But I don't think they were that, in the 60s, you know, I don't think they were that um, advanced. No, I mean, they were kind of getting, this is right on the edge of, like, profiling. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't think the FBI started that until the 70s, but even the 80s, I don't remember. Late 70s. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and this, he's released in 73. So, yeah, he, I mean, he, he really... Pulled a number? I don't know. So we next find him in Salem, Oregon, mm -hmm. working as a plumber's assistant. In April of 1975, he is convicted of the same type of crime once again. So this time, the remains of a body were um, eventually identified as Betty Wilson. Mm -hmm. She was found, or some of her, was found by a fisherman in a, like, a shallow uh, slough on the Willamette River. Mm -hmm. um, Betty had a really sad story, and, I mean, just, it makes it even more horrible what happened to her. So, the account is that she was living in North Carolina with her very abusive husband in basically a, a bus that had been abandoned on the edge of a junkyard. Mm-hmm. No electricity, no running water. They were basically squatting in this old school bus okay. that was just, you know, junk. Um, she, in her very short life, had given birth to 11 children. All of them had been taken away by the state and placed in foster care. Hmm. Um, she managed to escape her husband by hiding in her sister's car trunk. And the two hightailed it from North Carolina to Salem, Oregon to start a new life. Okay. So, very shortly lived, she was last seen at a nightclub before she disappeared. So, it's the same MO as before. Yeah. Marquette, you know, claims they met, hit it off, had some drinks, and then they went back to his home where she consented to having sex. It ended with him killing her and the body being dismembered and mutilated. Again, no blood was found in the veins or the arteries. They were, the parts were completely drained. The only potty part, and I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it. The only body part never uh, recovered is, um, are her genitals, okay. which is horrific. Um, please look at the abusive husband, but they dismiss him quickly. He has an alibi, and he can confirm that he was in North Carolina. So they, you know, start searching through past criminal history 
of anybody that might be in the area. They'd quickly come upon Marquette. Mm-hmm. Due to the nature of the crime and the you know likeness to his other crimes, he's he's definitely What's makes that? the short list. Yeah. Um, a couple of days later, his mobile home is searched. They find evidence that Betty was there, and he's arrested once more for manslaughter. And like I said, he he completely gives them any details that they want, and he uh, admits to the crime. Yeah, see, he was serial killer before they termed that coin serial killer. For sure. Um, and then while in custody, he admits to another murder that actually took place in the previous year in 1974. Oh. Um, this is a crime that um, is it, it's solved, but her identity is still unknown to this day. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Um, so the unidentified young woman suffered the same fate as Joan and Betty. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, you know, we know well the story now. He met this young woman at a bar. He says they ended up going back to his place. He killed her, dismembered her body. Um, she may or may not have consented to the sex. There's no way to confirm that. Yeah. Marquette led authorities to a shallow grave where they found most of her body, but her head is missing. Um, she's never identified. There are no missing persons reports that police can track back to her as possible leads. Mm-hmm. And he's actually not charged with her murder, from what I can tell. Okay. Right. So he is, however, charged again with first-degree manslaughter and sentenced again to life in prison, this time with no chance of parole. And when psychiatrists are asked to interview him and evaluate him, they find him to be completely calm, and their only conclusion is that he cannot handle rejection from females. And that it creates a murderous rage he cannot control. Huh. So somebody tells you no, and a flip, you flip your switch, and you freak out and mm. decide to kill them and completely dismember their body. Yeah. Very, very logical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, again, the science has changed quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I would think that... Anybody profiling him now mm-hmm. would have suspected that, first of all, there was there was a step in between the crimes yeah. um, that would have been missed. And they would have thought to ask about things, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, they would have said, probably, more than likely, he's likely to do this again. Yeah. He's, he, these are insatiable habits that he has. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's it's kind of sad, but okay, I, you know, I wish there was more known about his early years because that could definitely tell you, like, what sets him off, or even if he had mommy issues. You know what I mean? And that's what it right. sounds like, but I don't know. Something. I mean, something happened to where if if they were correct and it's reject, rejection that he has the issue with yeah. from females, yeah, something happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So today, Richard Marquette is alive. He's 85 years old. He sits in the state penitentiary in Salem, Oregon. Again, he is described as a model prisoner. He's involved in many groups, including like a veterans group, a Catholic group. Mm -hmm. Um, His life now consists of sorting out recyclables. (laughs) 
He doesn't really have a choice. No. Um, so unlike previously, though, this time good behavior is not going to get him out on parole, and he will be there until he passes away. And that's Richard Marquette. Wow. Yeah. Gruesome crimes. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And yeah, I really, I mean, I was kind of disappointed because I did really want to know, like, what what happened in his childhood. What does his childhood consist of? There's just, I couldn't find it. Maybe there's a book on it, or maybe, maybe there's an opportunity there to write a book. Uh, maybe. If anyone's listening and you're an author. Yeah. I won't even need any royalties. <laughs> I would just like a first copy of the book. Thank you. Signed first copy of the book. Signed. Yes. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty gruesome. Um, but I, and then I questioned too, you know, he, he readily admitted to the crime that he committed in 74. Mm-hmm. of the woman who's not been identified. He gave that information to them when he was arrested in 75. So, I mean, is that it? Is that his his crime in, in its entirety? If he gave that information, why wouldn't he have given other information? I, don't, I mean, it sounds like he just, every time he's caught, he just confesses everything because he confessed to those three when he was only questioned about the one yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But again, he could be like Gary Ridgway and just, I don't even remember all of them. That's very true. I mean, that's very true. But I mean, he readily confesses to, ah, man. Yeah, because even Ridgway, he didn't remember like all of them. No, and I, I mean, that's the thing is you're not, he knew Joan because he knew her from school. So obviously he could say, yes, this was Joan Cottle. She was, you know, about this year, you know, years old, and this is how I know her. Betty, he found in a nightclub. Mm-hmm. Who knows what their conversation consisted of, um, but she was identifiable. Mm-hmm. So he's not necessarily these people don't necessarily ask these questions of what's your life story? Tell me all about you before I kill you. You know? So I can see why women or, you know, any victim, Mm -hmm. men or women go unidentified. Cause you're, you're not looking to make a connection here. Yeah. You're (laughs) missed connections. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's sad stuff. It really makes me sad when, you know, Betty's story was just already tragic. Her life was horrible, it sounded, Mm -hmm. and it ended tragically. And then for some woman, you know, young woman to be unidentified, however many years later, that's 74, so 40-ish years later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 50 almost. It's it's sad because nobody's looking for you. Nobody yeah. knows where you went, or if they're looking, they don't know to look there. So I don't know. My hope would be someday we cover a story of somebody identified, and mm. somebody somewhere listens to the podcast and says that sounds familiar. One that would day. be like my ultimate happy moment. One I think day. one day it may happen. It may. Yeah, you never know.
So that's what we got for you this week. Again, we just want to thank everybody for listening, all the support, and, you know, keep it up. Mm-hmm. We, we're happy to do it. We're having fun, except for the technical <laughs> difficulties. Yeah, well, this sounds like they worked themselves out. All, <laughs> but on the other hand, I'm excited. Yay! Why are you excited now? Well, I'm excited and I'm sad. Why? For the podcast. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, this is our last episode where Jessica will record in the closet. <laughs> if you don't know, and we don't really... T- but Jessica sits in a closet because it's soundproof, and I sit outside because we haven't soundproofed the room, and we figured one person without the echo is better than two people. So the next podcast, will actually be able to look at each other. Yay! <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what the dogs are going to do, because the two little ones come in with me, yeah. and they nap while I'm, they're like laid down and curled around mm-hmm. and napping, so that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll have to set them up a little blanket or something to lay on while we're, Maybe. but I am excited, yes, that I'll be able to look you in the eyes. <laughs> we will make a connection. Uh, most of it will be rolling. My eyes, but yes. You will be rolling your eyes or yeah. I will be rolling my eyes? Probably both. I Probably yeah. more you. Yeah. I don't know. There's going to be a lot of raised eyebrows, I, I suspect. Yeah. Yes. But I'm excited because like, we've soundproofed the room. Just updates for you guys. We've soundproofed the room. We've put up our acoustic panels. Yeah. We're going to bring Jessica out of the closet. Woohoo! And There's uh, nothing wrong with coming out of the closet, y'all. Yeah. Do what you gotta do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll actually be sitting at a desk and staring at each other like professional podcasters, quote yes. unquote. So, yay, big yeah. changes. Next big step, but little changes. <laughs> well, it is a big change. I mean, we're just kind of doing this as we making this up as we go along. We didn't trying things out, and, and we're we're also learning as we go along. So, I mean, it's it's. It, it's frustrating at times, especially like today we tried to record and you got all these delays, technical pops. And so, yeah. like I said, we're learning as we go. And I'm glad you guys are on this journey with us. Um, I mean, if you guys ever have any questions about making a podcast, uh, you know, just get a hold of us at whathappensinthewoods.com. Uh, I'd be glad to try to answer questions. I am by no means am I an expert, but... Um, I will try and help anybody out the any way that I can trying to be a semi technical person on this show, but I'm excited. I think Big for changes. you though, you, I'm like, you've done a lot of research and there's a lot of things that you would like to do, mm-hmm. but financially for us, they're not, it's just not, you know, feasible. I got a sugar mama. So. <laughs> we'll send her in. Mm-hmm. She can cover your roadcaster. Mm-hmm. Come out of the closet. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean, (laughs) she's in the closet. Oh no! Mm. Yeah, but yeah, we are exactly what you said. We're just kind of learning this as we're going along, and hopefully, it's just getting better and better. So here's to here's to 250 more downloads. Yay! Yay! Thank you, everybody. Uh, Stay home. Stay safe. And stay out of the damn bars. That seems to cause a lot of issues. Yes. Yeah, don't be going and hanging out with bars and going home with people you don't know. That's where shit goes wrong. Yeah. And as always, stay out of the damn woods. Bye. (laughs) Bye.